，無論政治家、科學家、醫生、律師、文職、司機，喺前面咧。That was the scene outside the Chinese consulate in Manchester on Sunday, when officials from the consulate, staff who work for the Chinese government in Manchester, were seen assaulting a man who had turned up to a pro-democracy demonstration. The incident has caused shockwaves not just in the city, but in Westminster too. And it has garnered headlines around the world. This is the Manchester Weekly from the Mail. Hello there. Welcome to this week's episode of the Manchester Weekly with me, Daryl Morris, and the Mills editor Yoshi Herman. Hello, Yoshi. Hello. How are we doing? I'm all right. How are you doing? Yeah, both very well. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling, you know, frankly, I'm feeling a little bit hungover. <laughs> Danny Cole, the legend that is Danny Cole, has left the Mill as a staff writer. And therefore, we were obligated to go for drinks together as a as a whole team on a, on a Tuesday night. And、um, yeah, I feel terrible. Surely, what wasn't、um, an obligation was the time that you got in, though, right? Yeah, it didn't need to. It didn't need to go on till <laughs> till three a.m. or whatever. But、um, and frankly, for most people, it didn't. But you know, you've got Jack Walton and I sitting in some horrible Northern Quarter bar at um at two thirty. So. Loving your work, my friend,、yeah. and just a bit of a nod for Danny、uh, while we're on it, because、mm. um, she was the first staff member, which is intern, I think, initially as well, wasn't she, for the mill, and off she goes into the big wide world of being a freelance writer. Yeah, I mean, I think podcast listeners who are mill members will have read a really nice edition that Danny wrote about why she's leaving and and that kind of thing, and they also would have read a little tribute that I wrote to her. But yeah, she's been a massive part of the mill. I mean, she was. First person who got in touch and said they wanted to intern, and then she wrote some great stuff for us. She was the first person I brought in on staff.、Um, she's written some of our best stories. She's also just like her, her pictures have kind of created the whole visual style of the mill, like her portraiture. So she's just been completely instrumental,、um, and she is she's now going freelance. So she's still going to write for us. She's still going to come on the podcast occasionally, but there'll be less Danny Cole, which is a shame. But it's 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 kind of like one of those ones. I said to the team yesterday before we went out, I was like, it's it's a it's a it's a weird one for me because it's so obviously the right thing for her as a person. Like she's not really the kind of person who loves being in an office and having a ten item to do list and all that sort of thing. So it's so obviously the right thing for her. And and she really wants to try a different type of writing. She wants to do journalism, but she also wants to do more novelistic writing and stuff like that. So it's very cool for her, and it's also sad for me. So、um, yeah, hopefully she'll be back on the podcast soon. And if you want to,、um, if you want to listen to and read, I suppose、uh, one of her final pieces, which was an absolute barnstormer, wasn't it?、Uh, she wrote about a lonely funeral, a funeral for somebody who has no next of kin. We did a podcast a podcast episode on that. It's in your podcast feed now. Really worth listening to.、Uh, Danny's final piece for the milk is absolutely. Absolutely brilliant! A cracking way for her to sign off. That's in your podcast feed. Go have a listen.、Um, okay, lots to get through this week, so let's let's crack on, shall we? Because there was a big green summit、uh, in Salford this week, which、uh, didn't make for particularly pretty reading when it comes to Greater Manchester's efforts to get to net zero by the time they want to get to net zero. We'll get to that shortly. But first, a story that's not just dominating the headlines here in Greater Manchester, Yoshi, but an international story, frankly, that happened. In Manchester, a Hong Kong pro-democracy protester pulled into the Chinese consulate in Manchester on Sunday, and seemingly, from the footage and from reports, beaten up.、Uh, you've been following this story the last couple of days, Yoshi. Where are we up to? What do we know so far? Well, I'll start by saying that I was at a,、uh, a sort of 
tea that my my girlfriend had on on Sunday, right? And and a couple of her friends were there, and we and a couple of them worked for the university. So we were talking about the number of Chinese students that there are in Manchester, and we were talking about where the, you know the influence that the the Chinese consulate has, and 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 just the the interesting way that sort of Chinese involvement in Greater Manchester is massively increasing. And as I was on the bus on the way back from that tea, it's sort of five ish, five p.m. maybe, maybe six p.m. I see on Twitter that there are these videos emerging of an incident outside the consulate in Manchester, the Chinese consulate. And what they appeared to show is a demonstration that was happening outside, which was done by mainly people who've come from Hong Kong in the past couple of years, so people who've come in on, in, on this BNO visa. And they were having a peaceful protest. And a part of that peaceful protest was that they had in uh, sort of a few placards, including an artwork of Xi Jinping. Um, or I think I think actually some Chinese people say Xi Jinping. And what has, seems to have happened in these videos, you can see officials from the consulate rushing out of the gates, grabbing that artwork on on that placard, which was out on the pavement outside taking it, dragging it inside so that this sort of insulting, in, in, their, in their eyes, this insulting piece of artwork, which was a sort of satirical thing showing, you know, Jinping in sort of boxes and uh, um, a bit of a sort of, um, it, was, it was taking the mickey out of, the, out of the, the Chinese premiere, right? And they drag in this piece of artwork. And then what appears to happen is that a couple of people, protesters, get dragged in as well. Now, exactly how those people got through the gates, whether it was like them getting dragged or slightly getting pushed in the melee or trying to recover the artwork, I, I wouldn't say I was 100% sure when I saw the videos, but the police have now described it as this person being dragged in. And what's absolutely undoubtedly clear in the footage is that this guy is getting beaten up inside the embassy ground. So he gets pulled a couple of yards in, this protester, and he gets beaten. Like you can see punches being thrown down to where he is in, in, in this melee. So shocking video. And then what I did is I started, you know, as you always do, like you started emailing people involved, all the different Hong Kong groups. I, I, I managed to speak to a few people who were there. Um, I think I've now spoken to four people who were there. And they all tell the same story, which was this, this was an entirely peaceful protest. In fact, I even spoke to one person who was liaising with the police on behalf of the protesters. And she said, and I've actually seen video footage of this now, that earlier on they had an agreement with the police of exactly what they were allowed to do. The police said, your banners are not allowed to rest against, they're not allowed to touch the walls of the consulate. It's in Russia, this, this magnificent building that the, the Chinese have their consulate in. And you're not allowed to completely block the pavement so a pram or a wheelchair couldn't get past. So, th so they were the rules. They were the ground rules. And uh, the, the, the placards were shuffled a bit around in order to achieve that. But there's no evidence from what I can see that these pro-democracy Hong Kong um, demonstrators outside were doing anything to break that rule. What happened was that these officials from inside, security guards, whatever they, whatever their jobs are, came out and grabbed this placard and that caused the melee and then they beat this guy up. So... He was in hospital overnight with his injuries. The police say they're investigating. It's obviously a hugely complex one because of the diplomatic things. You, diplomats in this country can commit a crime, but they cannot be. A, they, they can have immunity from prosecution. But I don't know if that applies to to all of the diplomatic staff or just to the um, consul general who it appears in these videos was involved in this. It was just a, an absolutely crazy incident. 
And there's been lots of reaction, hasn't there? And uh, of course, not just in Greater Manchester, but in in, in Westminster as well. The Foreign Office uh, uh, demanding that uh, uh, not the Chinese ambassador because he was out of the country, but the, but a representative, a representative of the representative, if you will, uh, be summoned to the, the Foreign Office. We've also been hearing from the Tory MP Alicia Kearns as well in the Commons earlier on today. Just give us a bit of a flavour, Yoshi, of what the reaction has been to this story. Well, I noticed immediately that that some senior high-ranking conservative politicians reacted almost instantly to seeing the video. I mean, like, you're talking half an hour later, 45 minutes later. Mm. Ian Duncan Smith um, said, you know, this is an outrage, or I'm not going to quote his tweet, but, you know, he reacted strongly on Twitter. Alicia Kearns, who I believe is the chair of the Foreign Affairs Select Committee, she said, you know, this needs to be investigated, and and, and they, they were out of the traps quickly. I have to say, it took a bit of pushing to get reactions out of local leaders. Like, I asked for a statement... Um, late Sunday night for, from from the council um, and and also from Andy Burnham's office and frankly we nearly published the newsletter without either of them because by midday they still hadn't sent something which is quite striking because that's almost 24 hours after the incident or it's 20 hours after the incident still no public reaction on Twitter or in a statement from the local council where this happened or from Andy Burnham eventually I have to say I did get a statement from both Burnham kind of said you know he he did say. You know, for, you know, we need to get to the bottom of exactly what happened. But this, this looks like it's going goes against the principles of of the city and of, of the country. Manchester City Council were a little bit more like, well, you know, you can't comment on something when there's a live police investigation and stuff, which I thought was a bit of a head. So, I don't know. I think national politicians have reacted much more fulsomely and much more, I think, impressively to what is an absolutely outrageous, sort of shameful. Um, incident than um, than local leaders have, and I suppose that speaks to a couple of things. The, 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 particularly, the sort of Tory politicians in Westminster have been quite hawkish. Ian Duncan Smith, in particular, have been very hawkish. In fact, I think about, it, I think Ian Duncan has been like sanctioned actually by China in some capacity. Um, they've been very hawkish towards China, and you have written in the Mill, Yoshi, over the years about Manchester's relationship with China, which is a complex and delicate one. Chinese investment lines the streets of Manchester. Some of the, our most key educational institutions really heavily rely on it. Um, and you've written about that against the backdrop of sort of also welcoming Hong Kongers to Manchester. And I mean, you know, perhaps unfair to suggest that that's in play, but it's it certainly got to be in the back of, the, of our minds, right, when we cover this story in Manchester. I think so. I think that's why it was important to hear from local leaders, not just from people in the House of Commons, because... It is local leaders who create relationships with this consulate. It's local leaders who attend summits at which the consul general is present. It is local leaders who, and local businesses who who, who do some of these deals with big Chinese building firms, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, who try and attract Chinese investment for you know for good reasons. But that's why I thought it was important to hear from hear from Bev Craig, the leader of the council, Andy Burnham. I think that. There's an aspect of this that you have to be careful about, which is that when when some people talk about how much Chinese influence there is in Manchester, sometimes you hear, you hear a tinge of xenophobia there, or as, as if anything Chinese is 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 problematic. And I think you have to be really careful about that because that's that's a, that's a, a stereotype. But it's definitely the case that this city region has gone big on China. We wrote about that last year. And Jacqueline Kwan wrote a great long read after months of reporting. And we reported in that piece that officials from the council go to this Russian consulate, the Chinese consulate, for dinners and meetings, and it's a close relationship, you know? And that's why I think when you get this kind of thuggish, anti-democratic behaviour 
from people who are working for the Chinese state in Manchester, there should be a really robust, a really significant response from local leaders, um, from local businesses who, who, who make lots of money from doing work with Chinese companies, and clearly also from the government. And I'm pleased that you know, there is one local MP for Gorton, Afsar Khan, who has reacted really strongly. He is part of the effort to ask an urgent question in the Commons and that kind of thing. But I think then, frankly, I think there needs to be more. I think it's a complete, a complete and utter outrage that a protester at a peaceful protest can be beaten up inside the walls of an of a, of a consulate in, in in Manchester or anywhere in England. Okay. Um, that story will rumble on for sure. We'll keep an eye on it. And as the reaction develops, you can read more about it. Manchestermill.co.uk is where you go for brilliant journalism on that. It's worth subscribing to for that alone at the moment. Elsewhere, Yoshi, Greater Manchester's net zero credentials are under scrutiny, aren't they, again? There was a green summit in Salford this week, and it's uh, it doesn't really make for particularly pretty reading, does it? The targets and where we're at, we're meeting them. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, I have to say I wasn't at the Green Summit, so I can't speak in detail about what was said there. But the reporting from the local democracy reporting service makes clear that Andy Burnham's message at this summit, I think, was something like, we are not going to hit our targets if we carry on like the way we are. And his other message was this thing of saying, I'm, I'm going to quote him now, I don't think you can whack people to net zero with a big stick. I don't think you can just punish people to net zero. I think if you try that, at the end of the day, people will pull back and you get the resistance. You've got to give people incentives to change and make the right changes, which I think is interesting because, you know, he clearly had his hands burnt, his fingers burnt very badly by the clean air zone fiasco, where he he moved away from a charging zone and is, is now proposing a non-charging zone, i.e. one, you know, not whacking people. I don't know. I I would be very surprised if the kind of massive changes that are required to get to net zero are going to be possible without whacking people, i.e. without making it prohibitively expensive to do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. I cannot see um, the the, the level of change that they're talking about. I mean, I spoke to one policymaker at the sort of Greater Manchester level recently, and he said there are loads and loads and loads of initiatives, you know, green this and green that and put bits of money in. He said, he, he, I think his quote was, a real hive of activity when it comes to green stuff. It's one of the big parts of Burnham's agenda along with the transport stuff and the housing. But what the other sense I've got from speaking to people is that none of the things that Greater Manchester is doing are coming anywhere near to the kind of scale that you'd need. Mm. Um, the, the, the quote I got from someone is, you know, the latest analysis we've got is that we are nowhere near being able to hit 2038 for net zero. and We might have used up our credits by 2028, right? Mm. So 10 years earlier. So we'd need to be zero at that point, you know. It sounds like a very, very difficult area because A, way more government investment is required and B, way more behaviour change, you know, among normal people is required. And that comes back to this Andy Burnham thing of how do you get people to change their behaviour. Mm. And if, if I guess there is the sting from the, the, the pushback against the clean air zone is sort of strong enough, that, that will, I mean, do you get the sense that it will be our barrier for local leaders. Nobody, nobody in a position of power in Greater Manchester is going to want to be the one yeah. who says, sorry, guys, I'm going to have to price you out of driving into the city exactly. or whatever else. Exactly. And, and Andy Burnham didn't like the response he got to the clean air zone, which is understandable because it was a really big backlash. 
And they also used it very effectively politically. They called it the Burnham tax. You yeah, know, the Tories yeah, in Bolton go. in particular were really going going for him on that. But, but, but you know, we're talking, there's a woman called Carly McLaughlin, who's the director of the Tyndall Centre, which is the um, which is the group that, that works out the, the carbon budgets for Greater Manchester. And she told this summit, I'm quoting from um, local democracy reporting, she, quote, she said that the city region's carbon budget is fast running out. Um, and she basically, you know, the, the message clearly here is we're not on track, right? So can you be the mayor of Greater Manchester and remain exceptionally popular and keep your image, you know, locally, also helpful on the national stage, and also be the leader that drives through massive societal change in Greater Manchester that will get that, that will put put us on on the right track? I don't know if those two things are compatible. Are they like clearly a big aspect of this is making unpopular decisions? Mm-hmm getting people to change their behavior in ways that they don't particularly like. I've got a car, right? I don't, when I visit my friends in London, occasionally I feel like driving because there's some reason I'd rather drive, like I've got another trip to make the next day. I generally don't drive my car to London now because it costs me about 30 quid a day because of this ULEZ, this ultra low admission zone. They have priced it so high. I can't remember, it was like 50 quid once. So I had my car in London for a couple of days. I think it was the part of the ULEZ and partly all the, the, the congestion charging. It made it so expensive that next time I was like whatever i'm getting the train like even though it's more you have to it has to be punishing you know if you want people to change their behaviors people like me old-fashioned people like me who've got a car you, it has to yeah, it has to be punishing and i don't think you can be a very popular politician and 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 and, 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 and so, yeah and do that so there's a um there's an unresolved conflict between the two aims of trying to be a popular politician and trying to get people to massively change their lifestyles to get to net zero. I, I don't know what you think, but mm. it, it, it feels like those two things are very much in conflict. Yeah, so it feels like someone's going to have to step up and take one for the team there, aren't they? Exactly. Perhaps ho- hope to be regarded a hero in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a century from now. Yeah. <laughs> They'll have the statue. The statue outside the town hall will be in the making uh, in perhaps in a couple of generations. But for now, they're going to really annoy people from Bolton who want to get to Manchester. Yeah, and 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 and. and elected politicians don't don't want to do that no. because they've got other ambitions so it's i don't know this thing about i don't think you can whack people to net zero look i think incentives are definitely part of it carrot and whatever but surely there's quite a lot of stick involved in massive mm-hmm. change like this i don't know it's it it it, it look it, policy makers i speak to say it's a very very difficult area for them mm-hmm. but i also think it's not made any easier if you think oh you know i'm going to maintain popularity while changing changing, you know, people using their cars and, and all the rest of it. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that as well. One group of people, though, who have uh, no reservations when it comes to making themselves heard on the issue of the environment and the ecosystem are Animal Rebellion. They've been in Greater Manchester this week. There's lots of stories. Just Stop Oil and various other groups as well. Yoshi, who've been taking uh, pretty drastic action this week. Uh, Marks and Spencers on Market Street. Um, there was a video over the weekend that went viral, didn't it, of Animal Rebellion protesters yeah. spilling milk around the place. Yeah, so, look, part of the reason I wanted to talk about this one on the podcast is because when they sent me the press release after their direct action in Marks and Spencer, they said something like, we'd love to come on your po- Sunday podcast to talk about it. Yeah, so that, that M&S that they did it at, that's not the one that really went viral online. I, th- I believe the one that went viral online was a, one of the London ones, maybe, or somewhere else in the country. But they did do that. So this was supporters of Animal Rebellion. They entered M&S on Market Street, which, is, by the way, is where I get my lunch sometimes. And they emptied milk on the supermarket floor. And, yeah, there were other ones in London. Um, and, and in the press release, they said to me, and they said to the press, we pour this milk out with a clear message to the government. Farmers must be supported in a transition to a plant-based uh, food future as the key solution to our climate and ecological emergency. 
Um, this would lab- enable us to feed more people for less money um, using less land. So that, that's that's their message. They've had so much, not not just the Manchester group, but like across the country, I think because the, one of those videos went super, super viral, didn't it, on yeah, Twitter. Yeah. They've had so much grief about it. Like, yeah. they've, I don't know, they looked youngish to me. I don't know how old they were, but like they are getting grief from just so many, from, from the left, from the right, from... I, I don't know. I, I don't love the image of people pouring out milk. Like, <laughs> instinctively, it's a bit like, I don't know, yeah. your instinct is a bit like, oh, God, why are you doing that? It's it, it's waste and, and whatever. But I, I actually find the reaction to it a bit a bit nuts. I don't know. What do you think? Do yeah, you? I think it's poetry. Isn't it? I, think it gives, I think it gives all the people who want to whack them over the head something to whack them over the head with. Well, it's quite interesting. I mean, there's this, there's this interesting debate, isn't there, about, about changing minds and whether or not that kind of action change puts people off the cause or changes minds or whether that's offset enough by the amount of press and attention that it gets you and i was listening to somebody i was listening to um one of the just stop oil protesters who were held up a bridge didn't they this week on the world at one the other day and um and i think i think he even said something like she's something over he said well i'm on the world at one aren't i well here i am on the world at one and i think it's quite interesting because one of them, one of the, one of the just stop oil protesters as well, was saying, "Look, this is no longer about getting people's attention. It's no longer about getting. It's no, it's no, no longer about winning people over. We have a majority of people in the world and in the country now who are supportive of our aims. You know, you're not finding very many people out there denying the, the what's happening and the, the need to do it. Needs to do something about it. The problem is getting corporations and governments to actually do something about it. And throwing soup on Van Gogh is about sharpening those minds. It's about drawing that contrast. If you are outraged about the fact that this this Van Gogh picture has been vandalised, well, this exact same thing is happening all of the time to our ecosystem. We are yeah. vandalising our ecosystem yeah. every day. Yeah, you Be outraged about that. Yeah, you've, I think you've articulated that really well. I sometimes think... think I do sometimes think activists could could articulate their messages, you know, in a better way, in a clearer way. But I just find the level of vitriol that has been directed at these um, animal rebellion activists who were pouring the milk. It's like a lot of the reasons for attacking them are quite specious. Like it's going to have to be cleared up. It's like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> sure, but like, you know, but, you know, it's that that doesn't seem like a reason not to like have a protest. Like, there's going to need to be a bit of a clear up afterwards. And I think that. Look, the reason that I am trying to be more plant-based is actually more to do with cruelty towards animals and, and the cruelty that involves going into milk and stuff like that. I'm a, I'm a vegetarian. I won't, I, I'm a pescatarian, actually, but I won't bore you with all of that. But So I, I'm, I guess like I'm on board with their program, maybe a bit more than usual, but, but more than most people would. What I'm really trying to say is I think there is... I think it is about attention. Like, I think there's so... Our, our, we're constantly being. If you think about, like, you go on your phone, you walk down the street, you go on the tube. There are messages constantly being given to us, right? And they're mostly paid for by 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 companies, you know, advertising to us. And I think our our, our attention is so filled up with all these different sources, mm. and it's mostly like companies trying to advertise stuff. And these guys, what they're trying to do is they're just trying to prize their message in there somewhere. They're trying to they're just trying to find a little gap in our attention. And get a message through to us, and maybe the message comes through well, or maybe it doesn't. But the, but we're thinking about that issue. We're talking about it, and I, yeah, I don't know. I maybe I personally wouldn't be pouring milk in, in a supermarket, <laughs> but I don't. I don't think they deserve the vitriol they're getting for it. And I think it's they believe in something, and they they're, they're principled. They believe in it, and they're trying to spread it. So yeah, I I, I think actually fair play to them. Let's get some quick hits because uh, there's a couple of other really good pieces of news actually around this week. Um, should we start with? We'll start with a very good piece of news. 
uh, because there's a chap that you'll have seen maybe in the news in the last couple of days who's been on a trial for a cancer drug from the Christie and he's had prostate cancer now for over a decade and this this drug Yoshi he says seems to have made a massive difference to his life. Yeah, so I'm just kind of quoting from the BBC reporting here. So this is a man with, yeah, as you say, prostate cancer, he's 81, and he's one of the first patients to be given this hormone therapy, which I, I, I can't remember the name of. But the I don't think what the Christie's saying yet is like this whole trial has been a huge success, but I think the fact that they've released this story must show that like mm. it's on the right lines. And he's clearly very keen to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the urological, so it's extended, um, it's extended his, effectively it's extended his life, and the, a surgeon at the Christie, called Professor Noel Clark, said the combination therapy that he had, um, quote, could, could, quote, improve outcomes for thousands of men every year. He goes on to say, Jim's cancer, this is the guy, isn't curable, but this new treatment combination has extended his life and enabled him to continue to live his life symptom-free. So, yeah, that sounds like really good news. Lovely. Very, very good news. Um, Bad news for the Tories. Just all round, really, generally, day after day, hour after hour these days. There is some new polling as well that's going to really focus some minds of those uh, Greater Manchester MPs, Yoshi. Greater Manchester voters compounding the Tories' misery this week. What what have these polls been saying? Yeah, this is one I saw on uh, Twitter this morning. So Greater Manchester polling by Servation, it shows Labour on 63% in Greater Manchester, Tories on 23% and the Lib Dems on 7%. So Lib Dems slightly down on 2019. Um, The Tories way down, 12 points down, and uh, Labour 15 points up. And what they project, the seat projection, the MRP seat projection, that would have Labour winning 27 seats in Greater Manchester and the Tories winning none. So that would be the Tories losing nine seats, Mm. which is, yeah, that's quite something. That That would turn... Greater Manchester entirely red when it comes to parliamentary constituencies. I don't know if that's a sort of realistic. Um, I don't. I don't think that's. That's probably not what's actually going to happen. But that's a snap poll of what would happen. It just shows the total collapse in Conservative support, doesn't it? Yeah. And William Ragg, who is the uh, Conservative MP for Hazel Grove, was speaking in the House of Commons earlier today. As we record this on Wednesday, there's a big debate or there's a big uh, vote on fracking in the House of Commons today. The Tories have issued a three-line whip on that and so ordered their MPs to support it. And that, of course, is problematic for Tory MPs, particularly in the North. Chris Green in Bolton West will probably have a hard time around that, as will William Ragg, no doubt, in Hazel Grove, you know, who do not want to be seen to be committing to fracking, but have been ordered to do so. And it just feels like that tension between Number 10 and Northern MPs at the moment, Northern Tory MPs at the minute, is, I don't know, is it even, is it fixable? Yeah, as in, like, the, the this new Tory administration has basically junked the sort of Leveling up, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna balance out the regional disparities poll agenda. Now they're making life difficult for these MPs via this fracking thing because mm. obviously fracking is super unpopular in certain areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, a three-line whip. And because of the the disastrous mini budget, their polling is tanked. So they, yeah, these northern Tories must just be like, Jesus, what what can we do to get a break? Although, did you see Liz Truss's interview with the BBC's Chris Mason earlier on this week, mm. uh, where she actually mentioned levelling up? She said uh, Chris Mason was sort of questioning her, questioning her on what she was about now and what she was for after the mini budget had collapsed, and she said, No, well, we're we're for what we said we were four in 2019 and she even mentioned the words levelling up uh, so that was interesting and uh, we'll see what, what comes with that probably not a huge amount but we'll keep an eye on it uh, elsewhere some, I'm, I'm afraid I've got more bad news as well Yoshi to impart uh, last week it was the turn of the bonfire night displays that have bit in the dust this week the Christmas light switch on shocking Oh yeah, sorry. I actually need to tell you the news, don't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the, the Manchester City Council has said that they're not going to have their annual light switch on, 
Um, why? Because no appropriate place could be found because of various renovation work and building work. So the detail here is the BBC says town hall renovations left Albert Square unavailable. Okay, I get that. That's obvious. Mm-hmm. And Piccadilly Gardens was deemed unsuitable. I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why it was deemed unsuitable. Is it because they've covered half of our cherished public space with that horrible, you know, event platform or whatever yes. it is? Yeah. Is, it, is, that, is that to blame? I think, I think either way you're going to blame it. Yeah. <laughs> On that, I yeah. suspect. Yeah. And uh, Pat Carney, Councillor Pat Carney, said he was gutted. Well, maybe he shouldn't have covered half of our, our main public square with a horrible events platform. Have mm. I made that point already? I think you might have made that <laughs> point. Yeah, edit, yeah, edit that out. But keep, <laughs> <laughs> no, you keep making it. You keep making it. Um, okay, uh, that's almost it from us for this week. Let's have a quick look ahead to what's going on. What's happening in your newsroom? Uh, in your Danny Luss newsroom? It's weird. Yoshi. It's, it's very weird. Her, her desk in the corner is sitting empty and, and Jack and I have just been looking at it thinking, God, what a, what a, what a shame, what a hole. Uh, yeah, things are, things are looking good for the weekend. We've got a great piece coming out by Jack about private investigators. Um, in Manchester and what they do and the kind of cases they work on and the kind of characters they are. So that is going to be really, really good. And what else is going on in the newsroom? Well, you know, I suppose the big thing this week has been has been Danny. And obviously there's a bit of a rejig required. Molly's taking on some of the bits that Danny's going to do. We're probably going to use a little bit more freelance. If you're a great freelance writer out there and you haven't pitched us before, do get in touch. Editor at ManchesterMill.co.uk. And, uh, yeah, just a bit of probably getting... Getting used to the new era of not having not having one of our mainstays in the office, so that's that's probably the big thing at the moment. Okay, I really look forward to that uh, private investigators piece. That looks really brilliant. ManchesterMill.co.uk is where you go to subscribe to have that in your inbox. And let's have a look, uh, a bit of a nod as well, because we always like to recommend something for you to do around Greater Manchester in the days ahead. What um, what are you thinking of? Yeah, my recommendation for the weekend is at the Whitworth. It is a retrospective exhibition of um, Althea McNish. I hope I'm not getting that name right. Maybe it's Althea um, McNish. She was the first Caribbean designer to achieve international recognition. Um, apparently, she was one of the most influential um, textile designers in, in the UK. And this is a, a retrospective exhibition of her work. It starts on Friday and it goes on until April. So if you want to get in there early to see that what looks like a really interesting show, that is at the Whitworth. Nice. And another exhibition opening this weekend is uh, The Art of Banksy, the big touring uh, sort of unauthorised uh, Banksy exhibition that's happening in Salford in Media City. There's some uh, very iconic works. Girl with a Balloon is there, Flower Thrower, uh, Rude Copper, Brace Yourself is there as well. So um, a very, very impressive collection of uh, Banksy's works there. If you're uh, looking for something a little bit different, Halloween theme for this weekend and next weekend, Coronation Street at doing Horror Nation Street tours, also at Media City. It might be one for the family, or if you've got a Coronation Street lover in your life, they're doing tours where they'll tell you about some of the villains and the deaths and some of the destruction on Coronation Street over the years. Um, and a nod for something happening at my uh, my church, my beloved University of Bolton Stadium. The Rugby World Cup is on at the moment, and France versus England, or England versus France, is happening there this weekend. So really worth um, getting along. There are, there are actually tickets still available for that as well, by the way, surprisingly. So if you want to, uh, you want to get along, go for it. Something else there is tickets available for, which I've just booked is the uh, Christmas lights thing at Dunham Massey oh have you ever heard of no, that no no oh yes where they, where they google it times. listeners google it it's like um, um, my girlfriend told me about it so and we've booked it it's I think it starts in uh, maybe November so it's not for this weekend but you should book it it's like kind of um, amazing like lit up they light up Dunham Massey like the the house and like loads of things in the garden and like a sort of huge stag and oh, yeah it looks amazing maybe it's more of a family thing I actually don't really know what it's all about I just thought the 
the pictures looked good. And Dunhamass is always worth the trip. We've booked it. Yeah, it is. Any always, time of the day. It's always worth the trip. Yeah. Love it. So that's booked. Um, good stuff. That's it from us for this week. Don't forget to like and subscribe. You'll get the Manchester Weekly in your podcast feed every Thursday with everything you need to know from Greater Manchester and beyond this week uh, in your podcast feed every Thursday. And you can get more brilliant journalism like that, deep dive stories, and recommendations of things to do. ManchesterMill.co.uk is where you go. For now, Yoshi, thank you. Thank you very much.